Good morning, Legacy City Church. Welcome. It's good to see everybody. It's been a good week, hopefully, for all of y'all. We are going to have a good day. Got Galen and Danette with us, and they're going to, yeah. It is always a treat, always a treat to have these guys. This is like mom and dad. Mom and dad are in the house, so it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. Well, let's get ready to have some worship. We're going to, hey, Michael, welcome. Sorry, man, I know you're like, oh, man, I walk in the door, and you get, like, the spotlight on you. This is my neighbor, Michael. He wanted to come visit today. (laughs) Pick a spot anywhere. We're just getting ready to blast this party off here. Go for it, man. There's water and coffee. So we are going to open up with, I'm just going to read a couple scriptures, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to worship. And then we're going to start this party. It's going to be good. Awesome. All right. So why don't you guys do this? Why don't we stand up for the reading of the word? Is that kind of a traditional thing in the old days? Uh, Who should I look at? You guys or should I look at Judy? Who's the eldest in the room? (laughs) Some traditional churches, which we are not very traditional, but some, they stand for the reading of the word of God. So... We're going to stand because we're going to get ready to worship anyway. This is, I've got two little portions of scripture to blast us off in. It's from Hebrews chapter 12 and Hebrews chapter 10. And I really wanted to, to start us off with this scripture this morning because, you know, worship, the, the time of worship for us as a church, this is like our number one priority as, as a church, as believers and as a church, our number one priority is to minister unto the Lord, first and foremost. Yes, we are, are thrilled to have Galen and Danette here, but more than anything, more than anything than whoever speaks, whoever shares, all of the different things that come together in our meetings, the time of worship is an integral point in our gathering where the presence of God comes upon our praise. You know, we've said this scripture before, It's from Psalm 22. It says, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, or he is enthroned on the praises of his people. Something of the presence of God comes in a greater measure when we worship, when we lift up our voices and we speak out and sing out and declare who God is and and what he's like and what he says about us. It's an opportunity for us to have transformation in that place of worship as well. So it's important in my heart this morning that we all have an opportunity to press into the presence. These scriptures are very key to helping us, helping each one of us to drop everything off that could possibly get in the way of you coming into the throne room of Jesus this morning. So let's read this. I'll go ahead and read it. You guys can look at it with me. For we are not coming as Moses did to a physical mountain with its burning fire and thick clouds of darkness and gloom with a raging whirlwind. We are not those who are being warned by the jarring blast of a trumpet and the thundering voice, the fearful voice that they begged to be silenced. They couldn't handle God's command that said, if so much as an animal approaches the mountain, it is to be stoned to death. The astounding phenomena Moses witnessed caused him to shudder with fear, and he could only say, I am trembling in terror. By contrast, now here we are, thousands of years later, 
after the cross. By contrast, we have already come near to God in a totally different realm, the Zion realm, for we have entered the city of the living God, which is the new Jerusalem in heaven. We have joined the festal, is that how you say that, festal? (laughs) We have joined the festal gathering of myriads of angels in their joyous celebration. And as members of the church of the firstborn, who is Jesus, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. And we have come before God. Yeah, rejoice in that. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are registered. You are a citizen of heaven. And we have come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in his eyes. And we have come to Jesus who, is, who has established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Blood that continues to speak from heaven right now. Forgiveness. I'm going to repeat that. Blood that continues to speak from heaven. Forgiveness. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart and say, I receive your forgiveness. I receive it, Jesus. It is a better message than Abel's blood that cries from the earth, justice. And now, so here we are, guys, in this room, 2019, at the Boys and Girls Teen Center on Wheaton Way in Bremerton. And now, brothers and sisters in God's family, because of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us, let me back up, I think I misread that, and now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. Just meditate on that for a second. He is welcoming us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation. No hesitation this morning. Nothing needs to keep you back from coming into his throne room this morning. For he has dedicated, excuse me, he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God Just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. The final verse here. And since now we have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. And now, and now, we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. Amen. So Jesus, this morning, we just lift up our hands to you. We come boldly into your throne room. We come into the the presence of the Father by the Spirit of God and by the blood of the Lamb. We come to worship you this morning. We come to minister unto you because you have called us kings and priests. We are the priests of God. And this morning we come to lavish worship at your feet. We come to to just enjoy your presence and to be transformed as you come and meet with us. So we welcome you in this place this morning. In Jesus' name. There is nothing better, Father, than just being in your presence just loving on you and you loving on us, Father God. 
this morning, Lord. We just breathe you in. We love how your presence fills the atmosphere. We just receive, Lord. We, we just absorb your goodness. We re- absorb your grace and your favor. Yeah, we just receive, Lord. We receive your goodness this morning. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Hey, at this time, I'm going to go ahead and invite anyone from the ministry team, including Galen and Danette, to come up. And uh, you all know what this means, so if, if you feel like there's something that you have to share, come up now. Um, but I also just want to take an opportunity. Isabel is going to be following Galen and Danette down to McMinnville. You guys, come on up. Come up here. Get up here. <laughs> Isabel's going to follow the Gingriches down to McMinnville, and she's going to stay with them, not with them in their house, but she's going to be uh, with them in their church for about three months, interning, learning how the ins and outs work at at, uh, New Horizons Church. So we want to bless her on the way out. I'd like just to invite you guys uh, to to come up here as she comes up here, and we just want to pray a blessing over you, Isabel. Aunt Cheryl and Uncle Dale, you guys can get up here too and put your hands on her. And the rest of you guys, if you want to come up, you can. If you want to just stand there, you can just extend your hands towards her if you want. So this is a big deal for mom and dad. Yes, Isabel's 21 years old, but she's our baby. She's my firstborn. And it's her first time driving down a freeway a long distance. And, you know, I listened to Galen Adet's uh, podcast, and you know, Galen said that they always thank God for the angels that are protecting them on the drive. So, so we just want to agree with that, and so let's just pray right now. And if you guys, if anyone wants to add, just, just reach out or wave your hand, and I'll hand you the microphone. So yeah, Father, we just say bless, bless, bless Isabel. Let her just come alive into a new dimension as she experiences the goodness and the grace and the blessing of of New Horizons Church and of the the family of God there, of the Gingriches covering over that house. And God, we just say, let let your grace explode. Let something new be released inside of her. God, we pray that you would just give her fresh dreams, fresh vision, uh, fresh desires, Lord, that are just birthed from your kingdom into her spirit. Yeah, Lord, we just declare protection. We declare safety. We thank you, God, for the provision that you've given her, that this is going to be such a, a blessed time. So we just thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Anybody have a prophetic word or something? And I want to pray for Scott and Tam. <laughs> this may be harder on them than it is on Isabel. Heavenly Father, we pray your peace upon this journey. We pray, Father, we know that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Keep speaking this in Scott and Tammy's ears, their spirit, their heart. Let them have your peace on every moment of this. 
This is a mission trip for you, Lord Jesus, of growth and fun. And Lord, you give us all good things to enjoy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time. Amen. And I feel like the Lord is saying that you take him with you. You may be going alone, but you take him with you. And I heard him say, I hear you. I hear you. You know, it's Bill, ever since you stepped out and going to work, and I saw that patina on you of becoming a graceful woman of God, but now he's showing me that you're this beautiful flower that's blooming, and your petals are just opening up. The sun is shining on you. You're glistening. You're going to be like a sponge, just soaking up everything that is good, because you're beautiful inside and out. You have him in you. The other thing he's showing me is as you are this beautiful flower, your roots are growing deep. And they're being well established in him to not be shaken. So when you go down there, there are going to be those that see that beauty of that flower unfolding in you. So, Isabel, I just see that it is... Um, it's just an unfolding for you that what the Lord has already um, put in your path, you're, you're going farther down the path, and as you walk in that direction, there's going to be more things that you're going to be, you're going to go, oh my gosh, that was in me. I didn't know that that was in me. So it's an unfolding and a growing and a revealing and it's just you're going to come into like more of a it's like a dawning an awakeness of who you are and who god has called you to be i've always had a tenderness for you from the day i walked into this church how god just kind of does that you know spirit to spirit realm and i am so so very excited for you because you you just pursue god's heart and you pursue it hard and fast in your own quiet way. And I see you down there, and I, what I saw, um, I saw, I saw a mother in the church. And those of us that are mothers of a church, there's an anointing for that. And, and there's a mother down, there's a mother Marilyn down there, honey, who's going to reach out and just take you in. And she's going to love on you, and she's going to speak into your heart, and she's going to say, it was okay and then if you want better here's better and she's going to feed you spiritually she's going to feed you physically you are not going to be out of her realm and you will be under her protective covering and you, and you have the covering here and God has such amazing plans for you it's written it was written before the foundations of the earth. This, this day hasn't taken God by surprise. Maybe grandma, mom, and dad, but not God. He is there. And then I just had this weird little quirk, you know me, when, when dad was saying, oh, my baby's driving down the freeway by herself. I heard a train whistle. And if you know me, I love riding a train. So if you want... If you want somebody to ride down with you, I'll take a train back. So put that one in a thought. But you have to get on Facebook and keep us updated. 
because this is your Greek mama talking now. <laughs> With love I say, kalotaxidi, which means God's health and happiness to you as you journey. <laughs> Come on. Don't <laughs> be quiet. It's okay. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is her legacy. <laughs> well, I've seen him grow into a beautiful lady. <laughs> and I held her and I kissed her a lot. <laughs> but I know the Lord's going to protect you and he's got great things for you. I see that. I've seen you blossom so much within this last year. And I know he's going to do great things in your life. That's for sure. <laughs> My firstborn. <laughs> God says to remind you you're a Psalms 91 kid. You keep meditating on Psalms 91. Yeah, when I first brought this up to Isabel, there's such a yes in our hearts for this. And we're like, we probably should talk to Galen and Danette. <laughs> Make sure they want this. But even mentioning it, we both were like, oh my gosh, how amazing would that be just to have a safe place for her to go and spread her wings. And she gets to stay with an amazing gal down there. And um, I just know, like, there's going to be this huge growth when she gets back. Like, it's going to be a whole nother Isabel. <laughs> And we all get to enjoy it. So, yeah, it's going to be a great time for her. So, thank you. Well, we're not done yet, Isabel, but we're done for praying over you right now. So, yeah. And she is following Galen and Danette down, so she won't be alone. And at some point, they had talked about uh, Danette riding with her. And she's a good driver, though. She learned on the roads of Mario Kart. She knows how to turn. Yes, she knows how to drift. She knows how to run over those turtles. And Yeah, watch out for banana peels. No banana peels. Because you know what happens when you hit those banana peels. Okay. All right. So, Isabel, you can go sit down if you want. Anyone else wants to sit. But if anyone has any prophetic words or a word of encouragement, um, I'd like you guys to uh, take an opportunity. I know I have a couple things that I'd like to share before we turn the Gingriches over. When I was in the shower this morning, the Lord reminded me that this is an anniversary, anniversary for most of the tribe. I think this was the first Sunday last year that we, we, we all showed up on your doorstep and said, I, I hope you're excited because this is where we're planted and we ain't leaving. Yay! Yay! We're one years old in legacy. Woo! Thank you for being who you are, for pursuing God the way you pursue, for allowing us to just have the freedom that, that should be, but as we all know, it just really isn't, and we have it here, so thank you. We love you, and we bless you guys. We're blessed by you guys. We're excited to have you. Did you have a have any did yeah. before we uh, hand you guys over to preach did you have any words that you wanted to speak out or okay okay 
Yeah, it's going to pop up during your preaching, I can tell. <laughs> Just real quick. Um, well, so the Burroughs are not with us today. It's Amy Burroughs' birthday. And uh, so make sure you guys uh, bomb her on Facebook with lots of legacy love. And uh, I did uh, just have a word, so she's going to probably listen to this. So I'm just going to say over, over Amy right now, happy birthday, Amy. We, we love you guys. We love you and your family. Yeah, happy birthday. And uh, so this morning when I was uh, realizing, remembering that it was her birthday, I just heard a few words. So I just, let's just bless her from a distance. You know, in the spirit, we, she's not, you know, far from us. We all share the same Holy Spirit, and there really is no distance in the Spirit. So so this morning, we just declare over you, Amy, that you are a victorious overcomer. Victorious overcomer. You are a beloved daughter of the Father. I heard heritage, legacy, and inheritance is yours. A double portion is your base level. It's your base level. He has so much more ahead for you to rejoice in. Weeping may last for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. And so we say good morning because this is her morning. Joy comes in the morning. So we bless her. And uh, in a second here, we're going to have Galen and Danette. So, Michael, I know that you're like, this is my first time visiting here, but you you seem like you fit right in. So (laughs) typically when someone comes in who's never been in our gathering, I don't know if they're going to ever come back again. So I just, I'm like, God, do you have a word for them? You know, that's why I'm not texting while we're worshiping. I'm actually just writing some things down um, that I feel like I'm hearing. And it's subjective, so you can uh, do what you want with it. But I did feel like I heard a couple things that God gave me for you, if you're good with that. So do you know the meaning of your name? Yeah, it's a powerful name. It's like, who is like God? Or who is God? Who is like God? Yeah, your name is, almost, it's like a question, but it's also a declaration. I just feel like the, well, here, let me just read what I, I wrote down here. I typed. So I see you being caught up into the heart of the Father. The Father, when I say the Father, we're talking about the Father of creation, the one that birthed every human being. He birthed you. The Bible says he knit you together inside of your mother's womb. He was speaking life and destiny into your spirit as you were being formed. And I just felt like I saw you being caught up into his heart, that he wants to reveal his heart to you. Um, He has an encounter for you that I believe you've been searching for. Um, We've all been searching, and we've all felt like there's just something more. I feel like that's what I was hearing, that he has... I felt like he wants you to know he has an encounter for you that you've been looking for. He's waiting for you, watching, protecting, and drawing. He wants to show you the value he has placed on your life. You are invaluable to him. The distance he would go to rescue you and awaken you to your true identity. So... Just as a church, as Legacy City Church, why don't you guys just stretch your hands towards him. And so we just want to bless you with that. We want to bless you with that word. And we just want to declare over you, encounter from heaven coming. We just declare encounters from heaven coming in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Awesome. Is that okay? Is that good? All right. Cool. You receive it? (laughs) All right, Galen and Danette, why don't you guys come back up here? Um, 
just let me briefly say, I don't want to take up too much of his preaching time. Most of you guys know our history with them, but if you don't, it was about five years ago in their church that Tammy and I had a major encounter with God at a conference, and that is when we received that prophetic word to go plant that church. And we had no idea that the father of that house, the guy that started that church, who was hosting that conference, would actually become a spiritual dad to us, to Tammy and I first and foremost, as a family, but, and also we invited them as a spiritual mom and dad to speak into our lives as a church and to speak into the foundations of this church. So we receive you two as an apostolic prophetic Covering? I don't know if that's the right word. Is that okay? Is that too strong? <laughs> He's over us. <laughs> like the shade of a tree. No, no, it's not just a covering. I, you might see it as a covering. We just see it as a lifeline. Like our hearts are knit with their hearts. And not just with their hearts, but with their family and their church in McMinnville. So why don't you guys just bless them and we're going to turn them loose. Yes. Well, good morning, Legacy Church. The best part about coming up here is it's like an extended family reunion. It's like getting to see the cousins. Right in the family of God, it doesn't matter where you go in the world. It's the heart of the Father that draws all of us, that common bond that we have in the love of Christ. So I want to bless you, and I just want to say to every time we come, you add to us. You may think, oh, well, they're going to come, we're going to share, we add to you. But we come away strengthened and encouraged and just hopeful for the things that God has for you as this local church body and for this community. I'm excited. I just, I just love what he's doing. And so I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm so excited to see that he's adding to you. And that's exciting. So anyways, love it. And we're gonna, we just love the fact that we have a little bit of Legacy City Church in our house for the next three months. We're going to have a lot of fun. Anyways, news on the forefront for our family. We're going to be grandparents for the second time. I'm expecting a granddaughter on my birthday. Do you have a picture of them? Oh, there they are. Well, this is a son-in-law, lovely son-in-law, Justin and Jenna, our daughter. Baby number one, that's Hunter. He's just the love of my life. He is going to be two this month, uh, or next month, and there he is. He found a cement goose. He's goosing the goose. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, he, we just have having more fun. But anyways, that's, that's kind of what I do in my spare time. I do the grandma thing happily. So, yeah. And then Galen and I get to share. We're going to be 39 years married June 7th. Yeah. And you know how, <laughs> you know how we get to spend it? We're going to go take care of the grandy so my kids can get away for their seventh anniversary. See, that's what grandparents do, right? <laughs> All right, sweetheart. Isn't she a gem? Come on. That was a fine catch right there. Uh, hey, it's so good to be here again. You know, we, uh, see, we saw you guys, you were down with us in February. 
conference down there. That was cool. But we haven't been here for uh, since last August, I think. September? Something like that. Long time. We aim to kind of get up here a couple times a year. And this last year has just been a kind of a crazy fun year. Danette and I have been privileged to be able to um, get around to a lot of different places. And uh, some of it for just fun and some of it's for, that's a little too low. And some of it is just for uh, ministry stuff. Get out and get to other places and uh, with other great people like you guys. So, hey, I'm so excited about what, what God is doing. And um, I want to share a few thoughts with you of some thoughts that I've been meditating on for the last couple months in particular. Now, for some of you, they're not may not be new thoughts. Although I think you're going to have a few little nuggets that you may go, aha. And you know, life is about as we kind of get through this thing called the journey of life, you know, and the unfolding story of life. What is really, really cool is to have those little moments. It can happen any place, any time where it's like, aha. Whoa, that was good. And it's like all of a sudden life just becomes a little more real and more meaningful. And it's in those moments when we catch a little bit more of the reality of who he is, the creator, and of who we are and who we're designed to be. And so I want to start today or just declare this, that God believes in you. Now, in Christianity, Christian circles, generally speaking, the most common theme is, is about how we should, we could, we may um, believe in God. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. But on my journey over a few decades, I have rarely heard anyone say matter of fact I've never had it said to me in the few years I've lived I've never had anyone tell me God believes in you never once in my life how many times have you had somebody tell you God believes in you anybody ever had somebody tell you that specifically cool that's cool it's not real common though so I want to focus on that aspect of it because what's really, really huge is not only our response towards God, but what is it that elicits a response? What is it that precipitates a response? And I think it's this, is when we catch the, the realization how he believes in us. Now, Imagine this, um, when a little child is born into the world, and every parent can relate to it, and the one can't as relate to it to the most significant degree until you have that moment as a parent, and there's that newborn, and that new little born, you saw our daughter there on the screen, and by the way, we also have a, a, a son too, um, he is now 29, 29 and single, yeah. His dad, I've never never met a girl yet. I've really been interested in marrying. There's some nice people that 
nobody really is marrying yet. I said, I'm on the lookout everywhere I go. Just saying, you know. So anyhow, um, got myself distracted there. What, what was I on? Yeah, I know it's how you're motive. So <laughs> what's really, really important is that we understand how much God believes in us because in order to have a faith response back towards him, it comes when we catch the revelation and we catch and we come to a place of the realization of who he is and how much his heart is towards us. That elicits a responsiveness of our hearts and attentiveness like, okay, God, you actually believe in me. Just like a newborn child, when that child is born, you believe in that child. When our daughter, as you saw on the screen, was born, when our son was born, it's like you look at this little baby, it's like, wow, wow, this is amazing. And I start dreaming about possibilities even before they were born. While still in Danette's womb, yet we're dreaming about possibilities of who they'll be and who they'll become and all of what they'll do in life. Possibilities. And we still do. We still think about, we're so excited about our daughter, our son-in-law, and it's like, wonder what, what 10 years from now, wonder what all be happening in their lives. And now grandkids is like, oh, wow, this is cool. We believe in them. Nobody believes in our kids more than we do. There may be other people around, but Danette and I absolutely believe in our kids. Here's the deal. All 7 billion plus people on the globe have a creator, a father, who believes in them. How many of you have ever had, you don't need to raise your hands, but ever had a point or a time in life, maybe it was just momentarily, or maybe it was for a season, or maybe even to this day, where you have people that you wish would just believe in you. Individuals. Um, sometimes it can be family. It could be other people. It could be co-worker. And you can feel it. They're just not all that into you. They don't really believe in you, in who you are and the beauty and the power of who you are and who you're becoming. They, they don't get it. And sometimes our hearts are like, I wish they would just fully accept the reality that I am one of the seven some billion people who have an amazing future. I have a potential because I'm loved by my God and he's imparted life to me. But they're just not believing in you. How many of you ever felt that to some degree or another? It's reality. Now, let's, let's flip it around. How many of you, like me, and maybe at this very moment in life, there's sometimes people around us that we have a hard time believing in. Some people, it's just easy, like, oh, yeah, man, her, oh, wow. Whoa, what an amazing person. Man, I just have so conf much confidence in that person. I hardly know them, and I just have all the confidence in the world in this person. There's other people like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> And they tell their story, and you're like, well, I don't know. And you're cautious, maybe cautiously optimistic, maybe cautiously pessimistic. I don't know. 
but you are highly cognizant. You're just having a hard time fully embracing, fully trusting, fully having confidence in. Now, that's not a bad thing because relationships are a process. Healthy relationships, it's a process of moving towards one another and all of that. But I'm just simply saying is, is that God, when he looks towards us, he believes in us unconditionally. And, and that's the most amazing thing about it. But I can tell you this, is that not everybody realizes that. I have sat with so many hundreds and hundreds of people, one-on-one -on -one conversations over years. And you'd be amazed at how many, many people really struggle with the idea that God would believe in them and have confidence in them. And sometimes it's because an individual has not yet discovered really all of his attributes, who he, God, as a heavenly father and creator of the universe, haven't yet discovered that. And sometimes it's the reluctancy is because of experience with maybe an earthly dad, um, um, an, an earthly father who just like had a hard time maybe really believing in his kids. And that happens all the time too. Sometimes there's just stuff that happens in life and maybe a dad is not in a good, healthy place himself and, you know, whether it's in any dimension and he's just having a hard time with that. Sometimes it's hard for moms too. So, so the point is sometimes we've had experiences in life that, that, that have um, somewhat disillusioned us or somewhat has caused us to be uncertain as to... Uh, how God may view us. And then, then there's sometimes those religious type people who use things like a Bible and start quoting Bible verses to remind the person of how low, it's a low life sinner they are. Have I ever sinned? Yeah, I've sinned before. I mean, yeah, sure. But I don't need anybody to remind me. <laughs> and by the way, up till this very moment, okay, any sin I've ever done, whether it's mentally or physically in my behavior or with my mouth, okay, any sin I've ever done, God says, I don't remember those. Galen, you, you, you sinned? He's like, I don't remember those anymore. You know, that's what the scripture tells us. He remembers them no more. Don't, wouldn't it be cool if we could just somehow push everybody else's failures into the distance, just like that, it's gone. I don't remember that anymore. What? Scott, you messed up? I don't remember that. Well, Galen, you were right there. You heard it. I don't remember it anymore. And you know what? As a matter of fact, I do that a lot. I pray, I ask the Lord, just, just wash that right out of my brain. And that literally happens. You guys know what I'm talking about. And sometimes in over years and years of conversations with individuals, you know, where I've heard some like some pretty difficult stuff where somebody's gone through some pretty tough stuff and made some really bad choices. This happened, that happened, you know, whatever. And there's a whole lot of consequences and such. And I'm down the road and, and I see the person maybe 10 years, 15 years later, or maybe 20 years later or more. And they kind of approach me just a little cautiously. Yeah, Galen, yeah, man, I don't know if you remember me or not, but I met you 25 years ago. And yeah, we had that conversation, you know, I kind of pretty much told you everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you probably remember all of that. I'm like, honestly, I, don't, I, I remember you, but I don't remember the conversation about any failures. And they're like, well, you don't? This just happened not too long ago. 
You, you don't remember that? I don't remember that. I love your heart, though. So I don't remember what went wrong. Now, there may be a few cases where I actually do, but I always ask the Lord, just, just take that. I don't want to know a person by their past failures. I want to know a person by the possibilities of their future. Because that's my God. That's what helps to create healthy relationships in marriage, family relationships, friendships, uh, relationships in the marketplace, in the, in the workplace is when I keep the short accounts and I actually can have a God-like heart that says, your failure, I forgive it. As God freely forgives, I forgive it. If it was against me, I forgive it. I have been criticized actually numerous times by good people who actually love God. But they, they, I've been, did not see this, been criticized, I don't know how many times over years when somebody will really do, do me wrong, maybe kind of a betrayal spirit and do something that's just really ugly or say something against me. And a short while later, I still, I, I, I embrace him just like a friend. Now, I'm not trying to propose myself as some super saint. That's not always easy. But I get there pretty quickly because I'm remembering God doesn't hold anything against me. It won't profit me by kind of holding something against somebody else or stiff-arming them now because of something they did or said about me. It doesn't profit me at all. Actually, it puts me in a prison. This wasn't on my notes, but Holy Spirit is highlighting it. Isn't it good? And, and, and the way we walk, the way I do, we do it in our church too is that we always have a plan, but there's something greater than all of the plan, and that is the influence of Holy Spirit in any given moment. <laughs> We're in one of those moments right now. It wasn't on the notes. The screen went black anyhow. My iPad died. There was some more. It didn't die. I forgot to charge it, so I had to pull this big thing up here. So anyhow... He remembers our sin no more. He believes in us. Tell somebody around you this morning, or just seriously, sincerely, God believes in you. Tell somebody. You need to hear that. God has confidence in you. He has full confidence in you. In terms of who you are, you are of great value to him. You are of great value to family. You're of great value to other people around you. Regardless of what anybody thinks or says, it's the truth. And truth is freedom. Truth is liberating. <laughs> so I'm always coming back to what does God say? What has he said about me? He says nothing but good things about me. Even if I make a mistake, if I do something that displeased him in a moment, you know, or dishonored somebody else, oh God, thank you for forgiving me. He goes, it's gone, it's done. Okay, Galen, let's get moving. Hey, let's talk about today and the possibilities of the future. 
He believes in me. He has confidence in me. Why? I'm his son. Isn't that what we do with our kids? Moms and dads, any of you have been a mom and dad yet? It doesn't matter what a child could do. It's like, okay, hey, we'll get right through this, this little problem or this little consequence. We get right through it. We love you. You're forgiven by God. Man, you're forgiven by me. I believe in you, son or daughter. And you're excited about their future. See, when you get religious, and religious Christianity is always reminding people, well, you know, we're just all sinners. Well, that's not what the scriptures tell us. It says once we simply just embrace and receive Father's love and through the person of Christ Jesus, we are now saints. Now, being a saint doesn't mean you don't have the possibility of making a wrong choice that would dishonor God and dishonor other people and cause pain to yourself. But your nature is one of a saint. What I mean by saint is, is one who simply carries his DNA, his likeness and his image. And so we, we get up every morning and we go, okay, God, thanks. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I belong to you. You believe in me. It's going to be a good day. You say, yeah, but you don't know the circumstances. I'm telling you, regardless of the circumstances, we must believe that God believes in us. Because that's how we can face the giants. That's how we can face the difficulties. Otherwise, we'll lose hope. We come to despair and discouragement. And, and, and then all of a sudden, man, we come down under and circumstances come loom over us. And now we start wilting, we wilting, and we just begin to die inside. So I have to come back to truth because it's truth what keeps my hopes alive. And the reality is he loves me. Let me share a couple of thoughts here. You see, faith is not something we do just to get God to do something back to us. Faith is what happens to us when we begin to realize who he is and what he has done for us. Faith isn't like a commodity that God dispenses. Say, okay, yeah, I've got this great commodity. It's called faith. Now, if you want to buy into it, just believe in Jesus and I'll give you more faith. Now, if you can use that and if you can kind of leverage your faith, you might convince me to do something for you. See, it doesn't work that way in the kind of a contractual type of an agreement. But faith happens to us. It's released to us when I realize, well, God believes in me. I remember when um, 41 years ago, when I was a little younger, um, and I was sitting in the home of a man by the name of Dick Iverson, and he was the pastor of a mega church in Portland, and I was there uh, in his living room and had a meal with him and, and uh, had met him a little time before that. We were talking, and our church was about one year old at that time. Our church is 41 years old now. So, and I was a part of the, of the founding team of the church. We started as a group of six guys, and, and uh, the other five guys were married, and I was a single young guy. Hadn't married, hadn't found Danette yet. She hadn't showed up. She hadn't moved to my town yet. I'm waiting for her. 
her. And uh, looked the whole world over and came back to my hometown and said, baby, come here. And she came. Walked in the doors of our church. Bummer was that she thought I was married to my sister first time she came. My sister and I were up front ministering. We don't look alike. We look very different. One of us takes after, I take more after my mom, and she takes more after my dad and his side of the family. So, you know, you wouldn't know it. Most people don't, wouldn't know us as brother and sister. She said, oh, well, that's sweet. Brother, uh, husband and wife up there getting, doing the ministry thing, you know. And then the Lord opened her eyes. That one for another year and a half later. So it was about this time, though, when she, she's the oldest of eight kids. We noticed when a family of 10 walked in to the church. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we didn't notice for any other reason, we noticed 10 people just walked in. We took off a whole pew or chair. We had a row of chairs. We, we, we weren't in a traditional church. We were kind of meeting hall, something similar to this, actually. So it was about that time, actually, um, when I was sitting in the living room. And so when our church started, uh, I was a thriving young business guy, 25 years old, business. I was very prosperous, very successful, uh, loved God, always did. I loved to serve people and loved to lead people in worship and such. And I would speak and such, but I had absolutely zero desire to ever be a pastor. No desire whatsoever. I'd never even thought of it to tell you the truth. So I was on this team of people, and so every month we would invite a guest speaker to come in. Um, not necessarily exactly four weeks, but maybe four or five weeks or so, we'd invite a guest come in. Some of these were very seasoned pastors. Some of those were, were prophets, people who carried the ability to be able to be seers of what God wanted to speak forth the counsel of God and it was really gifting and apostolic leaders and everybody would come in uh, during that season uh, would, would say, well, who's going to be the, the point person here? And us six guys and their five of their wives, we'd all kind of look at each other and, well, we're just asking God, we don't know who. Every single one of them would turn and go, well, Galen's your guy. Now, that started kind of awakening something in me that I didn't know I liked. I thought, oh, no, I'm just having too much fun out here making money and prospering and all that, and I don't really want to have to give all this fun stuff I'm doing out here up and to be a, be a pastor. <laughs> you know, I didn't consider it something really that noble or that really powerful or cool. It just wasn't in me. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying at that point in my life. And every time I keep coming back, keep coming back. So now I'm sitting right in that season. I'm sitting in the living room with Dick Iverson. And he goes, uh, so you guys, I hear about this new church starting. And yeah, yeah, it's really cool. You know, so much is happening, man. There's just like marriages are getting restored and people are having God encounters and People are like really strung out on drugs or all of a sudden just have this God encounter and now they're totally free. I mean, you know, they're just like, whoa, alcoholic, you know, didn't have to go through a long process of drying out, 
all of a sudden, just in one prayer, he's like, he never has a desire for alcohol again. And then we saw a lot of that kind of stuff. And so we're like, whoa, and healings and miracles were happening. And, and it was just, just the stuff, amazing stuff. And so I was telling Pastor Iverson, he said, well, but who's going to be leading this thing? I said, well, we're just kind of all doing it together. And he said, well, well he said, um, he said, well, why aren't you? And I go, well, because a couple guys that really aren't that excited about me, you know, um, they think I'm too young. I'm only 25 years old and they think it's, um, I'm not married and this and that and the other. And he says to me, he looked at me, we were sitting in two big wing back chairs in his um, living room. And uh, he looked at me and he just said, well, he says, I think you're the one that should be doing this. I go, oh, okay. And I said, well, not everybody in the group thinks that as far as the other leaders. He goes, well, I want you to know that I think you're it. You're called, he says, and I believe in you. When he spoke those words, he spoke it prophetically as a, like a spiritual father, something awakened in me. The potential of stepping into a role I had never considered all of a sudden awakened in me. I said, you... you you, you think me? He goes, yeah. I said, yeah, but I'm having so much fun. The business stuff. He said, I know that's how I start out. He said, I, I was a young business guy, much like you, and I was just blessed, and I was having fun. And, and then I felt God called me this. And I go, oh, wow, okay, yeah. And what happened was, but it came out of a genuine heart of love. Love realized awakens belief, awakens faith. When we realize how much we're loved, all of a sudden, faith is awakened. Now, I realize that here was a guy I didn't know well, but he, had, he was a man of great honor, a guy who really, I felt love coming out of his heart. Now, you see, when it's real love, he wasn't trying to control my life. That's not love. Love always, genuine love allows others the freedom of choice. Now, we understand, is it, with children, when they're real young, you know, we've got to be there to protect them and, you know, whatever. But as the more they grow, love releases kids to make choices. It's, it's a way within relationships, friendship. Love allows others to make those choices. So he, he was sharing this not because he had any, had any uh, uh, he wasn't trying to stake his claim to or hook up with what we were doing for any personal benefit. I could feel it was a godly type of a fatherly love. He was about 45 at the time. He just passed last year, um, just a few weeks after my dad passed. It was kind of interesting. My natural dad and my spiritual dad passed within six weeks apart. That was kind of an interesting experience. My natural dad lived till 88. He was almost 89 when he passed a year ago. And uh, so he lived a long, good life. My spiritual dad was almost 88. It was cool. So I had my natural dad who really believed in me and now I'm sitting in his living room and he says, I believe in you. It awakened faith. And so <clears throat> this is like really, really huge though that because we get to help to be carriers of God's love by the way we honor and serve other people and the way that we honor and serve other people has all the potential in the world to awaken faith. A belief in God 
a belief not only that he is, but that there are possibilities yet to experience in, 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 that, in their life into the future. It awakens us. So never lay a heavy on somebody and remind them of the past. You never want to lay a heavy on somebody with something of a distorted gospel. It's not good news. Well, you know, we're just all sinners. What we are, we're all people created in his image and likeness, and we have the possibilities of knowing him really personally and being powered when we simply believe in his son, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit then takes all of this potential and begins to, to, to create like almost a river of opportunity for us to flow in. We become alive. Jeanette and I, you know, we, we've been, I mean, with all these years, we've had so many prophetic things spoken over us. Um, I did before I met her, and she did, and, and such, and we've had so many. And here, decades and decades later, we're seeing things that God bringing promises to pass because we simply believe not because we're so amazingly better than anybody else. We're not. We're really like ordinary people, except God takes us from just the ordinary mundane to when he awakens faith. And if you respond in faith and say, I believe in God. You believe in me. I believe in you. I believe in the possibilities. It, things will unfold. I believe. We've had promises of God that have taken decades to before they have unfolded and some just in the last couple of years it was like mind blowing how did this just happen oh my goodness things are so beyond the realm of what we could make happen or happening I, I wish I could tell you some of them but um, uh, it, it, we're, we're blown away and right now we have some pretty amazing things that are just the signs are beginning to unfold things that are absolutely mind blowing it's not because there's some unusual thing that God has for us. I believe he has this belief and confidence in every one of us and the things that he wants to roll out and unfold in our lives will all look uniquely beautiful and uniquely different. But as to whether or not we will discover and experience them has everything to do with this. Is there a yes in my heart every day that says, yes, I believe. He's looking for, when he comes towards us, believing with confidence in us, faith is simply saying, yes, I believe. Yes. And there, when there's this partnership of faith, stuff happens that's beautiful. Doesn't mean there's not issues along the journey, but the way through, the way out, is an awakened response towards his belief in us. I don't have to conjure up faith. I simply need to say, I believe. I need to focus. What you focus on always grows. When I focus on the failure, see, see, if God doesn't remember past mistakes, then why should I? But if I focus on past mistakes or focus upon what's not working well, it's what grows and it begins to loom over us like an ugly storm. And it darkens and skews our perspective. 
So he wants to continually, daily to remind us, simply come back to the basics. I believe in you, son. I believe in you, daughter. You've got a great future before you. Doesn't matter what age. I loved a couple, three years ago, a man who was a, who was a very, very wealthy man, <clears throat> large companies, um, <clears throat> jet setter around the globe. And uh, he invited me on multiple, multiple occasions. I was sitting in his mansion, $17 million mansion. Uh, and so I was sitting there in his office and he was 84 years old at the time. And he'd built these companies with global impact. And later he invited our whole family over into his family room. He had never invited anybody else before. But he invited us. And you know what I loved? I was able in those last period of his time before he passed is to direct his faith response towards his creator in a fresh, more deep, real way. Actually, he referred to me as his pastor. And we were, I was sitting in his office one day and he was telling me all about his business affairs. Mega, mega, mega businesses. And uh, asking for my input. Asking my input. Not because I have all of the background in those realms of business, uh, in this global stuff that he was involved in, but he sensed, and he was a wise man, because he sensed that spiritually I was connected with the Lord. And he wanted God's wisdom on it matters. He simply wanted the wisdom of God. And what I loved about him, though, and I'd known him for 40 years, Annette sat at his dinner table when she was a teenage girl before he was known globally. And she sat at his dinner table, actually, before I knew him, actually. She got to fly in his jets before I met her. It's like, you lucky thing, you. She's 15 years old and flying in his jets. It's like... I didn't get to do that. <laughs> Anyhow, he was dreaming about the possibilities of his life into the future, of growing business, this creative visionary. And the more we talked about Jesus, the greater the awakening of his faith. I saw it before my eyes over a, about a year period. It's a beautiful thing to behold. You know what? Never once did I remind him of any of his weaknesses or failures. Didn't need to. He knew that. We'd pray together. I'd bless him and the power of God would come into his life and he would experience. He felt God. He's like, whoa, I'm feeling God. Came, sat on the front row of our church and we have the whole worship band up there and it's like rocking and he's like, wow. Wow, he's experiencing God. His faith awakening to God in a more deeper, real way than ever, ever before because he felt God's love. He realized that God actually believed in him. It's a beautiful thing to see how a man of such influence 
responded to this. Now, here's something important. Need alone does not, let's put it this way. Need alone does not move God to do something for us. Numerous times I've had people say, well, God sees my issues. Why does he just take care of it? You know why? Because he's so relational. He's looking to have this connection where he says, man, I believe in you. I'd actually like to kind of walk with you. I'd like to go with you on your journey because I see so much potential of how God wants to work in your life and such. Will you invite me along the, in the journey? He's looking for a faith response. It's not that he can't just meet a need. And sometimes, though, he kind of almost does that. God looks like something great, amazing happens. You're like, well, where did that come from? But generally speaking, he's looking for a response of faith. And all through uh, uh, the New Testament Gospels, you'll see Jesus responding to their faith. You know, and it's like there was a woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And it's in Matthew chapter 9. And she said, if only I could touch the hem of his garment. She said, I would be healed. She had this sense that Jesus loved because she'd heard about Jesus and she had seen the demonstration of his compassion and love and had elicited a faith response. And she had a need, but if I could just touch him. She didn't say, I just want my healing. So Jesus, you should just heal me. If I could just but touch him. There was this divine relational connection that her heart longed for. If I could just touch him. I believe I'd be healed. She reaches out, presses through the crowd. She finally touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, your faith healed you. Now, Jesus was always looking for the responsiveness of the heart. He's looking today. He's not looking for your performance. See, there's the problem. That's what religion does. Religion sets out these standards and regulations and then demands performance. And if you don't meet it up to it, then, hey, sorry, you're not in the inner club. Happens in all religions of the world, including Christianity, sadly to say. Christianity sometimes is reduced to religion of here's the standards and here's all the things, and you better do this and you better do that, and if you don't, God's going to get you for this. I'm telling you, it's not the biblical Jesus, it's not the biblical Father that we have. It is a twisted, it's a warped thing. And he's simply saying, man, I love all 7 billion people. I see nothing but possibilities in them. I believe in them. I created them. I brought them into this world and I have got amazing plans for them. I'm just looking for a faith response. And guess what, guys? You and me not only get to give that response, but we get to represent him wherever we go. And we don't represent him by reminding people, it didn't work for me. When anybody's ever reminded me of a failure or a mistake, and by God's grace, I've not had many, but any little thing, if they remind me of that, I wilt or it'll tick me off or something. My God has never reminded me of a past failure or anything or past mistake. Because, I, hey, I receive your forgiveness. He doesn't remember it anymore. 
Right there in the scripture, he tucks us. He says, I've taken a throat as far as the east is from the west. There's two specific scriptures, one in Isaiah, one in, that one's in Jeremiah, isn't it? No. And, and to where he, hang on, let me give it to you right here. Two scriptures. Psalms 103. For as the highest the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38. For thou cast all of my sins behind your back. And the language in the Hebrew, in that, in that termination, it has to do, it's out of sight, it's out of mind. We have two clear verses of scripture that do that. And we know it by the lifestyle of Jesus and how he ministered to, he never reminded that. So we get to represent Jesus, unconditional love, unconditional love. We extend towards people, always, always encouraging people, always our hearts going towards others around us, starting with our own families. I believe in you. I believe in you. And that doesn't mean that they will never make a mistake or they may not have a struggle that makes difficulty in relationship. But at heart, I still believe in who you are, even in spite of some of the wrinkles and such like that. I'm going to end on this right here. Here is uh, one, one really key thing. There is a responsibility or a privilege that we have to walk in. <clears throat> now, remember... Love realized keeps faith alive. Love realized keeps faith alive. Can we say it together? Love realized keeps faith alive. So I keep focusing on my God loves me unconditionally. Wow, yeah. There's a scripture, I'm gonna leave you with this. Friends, Build up yourselves in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord to bring you to eternal life. I'm going to read it in the message version. You, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in his most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched ready for the mercy of the master Jesus. Keep yourselves. So what God says, once we come into that place where we believe in him, we believe in Jesus Christ. You know, our salvation is anchored for all of eternity. And he says, I want you to keep yourself in love. That has to do with daily choices. It has to do with daily activities, how we think. Uh, it can even have to do with, you know, whatever life's opportunities we participate in. There can be the good, and then there's the best. Don't let the good become a robber of the best, see? And so sometimes they're like, well, this is good. Or, you know, I mean, you could take and apply that principle anywhere, you know. But, you, but no, no, I'm going to go for the best. I'm going to go for the premium, you know. And sometimes Holy Spirit will alert you. It's like, hey, yeah, you want to stay away from there. Danette and I one time <clears throat> went to a restaurant in a city near us. And um, this was a few years ago, about 35 years ago to be exact. 
And uh, when you go out to a nice restaurant back then, we'd all dress up, man. You get all dooted out. Had my fine, had one of my fine, new, beautiful suits. I used to love, I don't even have any now, but anyhow, I used to love very fine suits. Vice, beautiful, expensive dress shoes, fine silk ties. I always bought the one-of-a-kind silk tie where they only sell one in a city. For real, that's what you do. When you get in designer ties, you, they don't put out three or four because then you'll have the same tie that the other dude has down the street. So if you're really cool, you buy the designer ties to where you're the only one in the whole region. Literally, that, that's how they're done, the designer ties. So I had one of my cool designer ties on. I had this very fine suit. It's kind of this grayish green with little stripe, pinstripes in it. Ooh, I was looking good. And mama was looking sweet. Ooh, baby, she was looking good. Danette was looking good. So we go out, we go to this restaurant, and we go in, and we didn't make a reservation ahead of time. So we get there, and I walk in, and I, you know, for two, and how long it's going to be? Well, it's going to be about 20 minutes or so. We'll have a seat for you. Great, great. Okay, good. Thank you. And we're sitting there, and we're going, this doesn't feel good in here. The atmosphere's not good. I, I don't like this. And she goes, I don't like it either. Oh, man, what do you think? I don't know. And I'm like, you know, I, I just, we just need to go someplace else. This doesn't feel good. Now about then, now the time was up, and we were like hungry, it was getting late in the evening, it's like, ah, oh, we'll stay here. I'm telling you, there was a spiritual atmosphere that wasn't good. So why would you want to go play a lot of money to put yourself in an atmosphere that isn't, uh, you know, it's kind of got all this yuck stuff? Uh, i just put it like this, demonic influence. So finally, we decided, well, we'll just stay. We stay, we get seated. Somewhere out the course of the evening, I don't remember now what point it was, I have some coffee. She gal comes, brings the cup, and brings this beautiful little carafe, and she pours my coffee. Something went wrong, and it went all over my suit, down onto my pants, dripped into my beautiful shoes. Hot coffee, and burned burn, burn all of my thigh. I was so ticked off, not actually at her. I was disgusted at myself. I knew I was not to be there. See, I didn't keep myself where I should have been. Now, that doesn't directly correlate with keeping the love of God, but there's a truth and a principle in that. So to keep yourself in the love of God, you just want to daily be saying, okay, God, What's up? What about my future? Where do I go? Where do I not go? Because sometimes you can get burned if you're in the wrong place, the wrong time in life. Have a good day. Have a good life. Can we do something? Can you guys stand up? I want to. I just want to lead us in a little prayer. Just a little prayer here. You know, you know what I really feel like is that I'm hoping for all of us just to go out of here with an upgrade in believing that he believes in us. Let's go out with an upgrade, okay? Yeah, we can all say, yeah, I know God just loves us. No, I'm talking about having this conscious, intentional focus on the reality that God believes in me.
And God believes in me even more than I can even understand. And so you try to understand what does all that look like? Well, you'll never get there. You'll never get to the point of the revelation to the magnitude of his love and his belief in you. But it's okay to make an effort in that direction and ask God for, for the revelation because it will unfold little by little by little. And with that, you become more and more confident and you get a, a prophet, Doug Lambert, one time said in this theme, he was speaking at our church and he said, he said, he said, I've got a, um, I've got a, um, I've got a case of the holy I don't cares. In other words, I don't care what anybody thinks. Now, obviously, you can go wacko with that in an in a arrogant way. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's possible to have the depth of humility of Jesus himself and still say, you know what? I'm not moved by what other people say because I'm living as unto God, not as unto other people. I'll never please. Did, 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 did everybody like Jesus, by the way? Read the history. Some of them called him a lunatic. Some of them called him a heretic. Some of them said he was a blasphemer. Some of them said that he was uh, uh, all kinds of things. And yet he was God himself, just in human flesh, and he never ever sinned, and people didn't like him. So just hanging on the wall, this idea of others should, everybody should like you. I'm serious. You don't want to do that with arrogance, so. You know what I'm saying? I had a young guy. No, it was a young lady, actually, a few years ago. And she had just real arrogant, cocky attitudes. Like, I don't care what anybody thinks. You know, I'll do whatever I want, say whatever I want. That's not a holy, I don't care. That was an arrogant, I don't care. And I'm thinking, okay, girl. You're going to get roughed up somewhere along the way. Sorry, you got a cocky attitude. You just think you're, yeah, you don't, you're not, you don't have a good perspective. <laughs> so I'm talking about a holy case of I don't care with humility. So let's, I'm going to invite you to extend your hands. Can, can I just lead us in a prayer? I don't know exactly what I'm going to pray, but I'm going to feel like the Holy Spirit just wants to lead us in a corporate prayer. And if you would like to, I invite you just to follow along in this little prayer. And so I'll just do a line, then you, just, you can just declare it too if you like. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for seeing possibilities in me. Possibilities of greater levels of freedom. Possibilities of how you might want to uh, work through me. Help me, God, to trust you, to believe in you, and to believe in your son, Jesus. I receive your love and your forgiveness of all my sin. And I believe I'm no longer a sinner. I'm not a low life. I'm highly valued by you. Even if others think I'm a loser, you believe I'm a winner. I believe you, God. And I believe 
I'm more than a conqueror because of Jesus Christ and because of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within me. It's a good day. A good day to be alive because you believe in me. Amen. I want to encourage you every day this week, for real, every day this week when you wake up in the morning, I think it would be kind of cool if every one of us did this. Thanks, God, for believing in me. Thanks. Thanks. I think it'd be cool if somehow, if we could do that with, how about family members? Family members, like, Jeanette, God believes in you. And because he believes in you, I believe in you. I've got confidence in you. I trust you. Speak that over our kids. Yeah. Speak that over coworkers. Hey, God believes in you. Hey, Billy. And Billy may not even be one who would even talk about spiritual things. Billy, God believes in you. He sees you as a winner. Man, we got to change the tide. We can turn the tide. Because our world is filled with so much negative junk. Everything about tearing people down and this person's no good, that person's no good, and all of that. But guess what? We're bearers of good news. And with that, Scott, I'm a little past my time. I just feel like, thank you, Galen and Danette. I feel like that's just another thread, another Lego. It's another piece of what God's been building. You know, we've, I just have a strong sense that God is up to something. And part of what he is up to, I believe, is he wants to really convince you and me that the old you is actually really dead. You have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Therefore, we no longer recognize one another according to the flesh, according to the sinful nature. So God sees the new nature. He sees what he's created you to be. He sees your life wrapped up in Christ. You're in him. Your sin has been blotted out. Now he's got to convince you of that. And this is just another another piece of that thread, another thread of that truth being woven in. So I would encourage you guys to meditate on that, really have a conversation with him. Ask God, how do you see me? What do you think of me? What do you think of me, Father? So anyway, that was so good. Um, we're going to just uh, release everyone.